0: All things are possible, and you can be, authentically, gay with the God of your understanding. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. As always, I love your comments. I love the fact that you're downloading and subscribing. Um, we are hitting really good downloads. We're, we're up to 7,000. We're very excited about that. And I continue to love the visibility that we're bringing to this podcast and to honor your stories is my most important joy. And so I'm so excited. Continue to do what you're doing and support this podcast so that we can definitely have more visibility ability so today i have a wonderful guest i cannot wait for you to meet him and i'm excited to finally get to meet him face to face so george azar was your average american kid born to traditional middle eastern immigrants curious about life but tortured by vicious bullying in middle school he found what seemed like a solution evangelical christianity it appeared to have the cure for the most shameful sin Believing his homosexual feelings were an abomination before God, he committed his life to a church community that accepted him conditionally. While hiding the scariest truths about him for fear of losing their love, he went from Bible study to Bible college, committing every aspect of his life to his faith, even forsaking important relationships for the sake of the gospel. Little did he know that the steady trickle of relinquished identity would create a psychological dysmorphia that allowed his oppressors to keep him in dangerous isolation. George, I cannot wait for this conversation, so let's just dive right in. Tell us your story, and welcome to the Gay With God podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I. it's so interesting. I um, I think you just summed up my story pretty, pretty brilliantly. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I was born to traditionally Middle Eastern parents. Um, my mom was raised Catholic uh, in Lebanon, born and raised until she actually lived there um, until she was in her 30s when she met my dad and came over to America. Uh, my dad is also Lebanese, uh, but was born and raised, raised by, by immigrants as well, but born and raised in, in California. And so a lot of the, I guess you could say traditions of what comes with cultural uh, Middle Eastern uh, culture, excuse me, uh, is the the beliefs uh that are really inherited from catholicism so Mm -hmm. although we did not profess a specific god and and i did go to episcopalian church with my grandma growing up i really didn't have any association with christianity outside of you know the the judeo-christian belief system Mm -hmm. so fast forward to um uh high school i was you know as i as, as you said um brutally tortured uh, in middle Mm. school, um, carried on poured over into high school. And I was introduced to Jesus by a co worker. um, And she kind of saw the predicament that I was in. And, and, you know, I was acting out, I was partying, I was doing all these like crazy things. And uh, she shared Jesus with me. And I laughed it off at first. But then Mm. after weeks of her persistence, which <laughs> now that I'm very well versed in why they do that uh-huh. um, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I gave my life to the Lord and the rest was history. I ended up mm-hmm. uh, going, th- you know doing some deep dives in myself, ended up going uh, moving away to college, had a fallback period, went, got recommitted my life to the Lord, um, went to Bible college, became a pastor, left, And yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So, so in, in your original upbringing, Mm -hmm. so your parents did not agree with homosexuality
1: no it was seen it's so interesting especially being a byproduct of the 90s mm-hmm. uh, there there was whether you were in the religious camp or you were in the secular camp there was still this belief about homosexuality that it was an abomination you know mm-hmm. that um, in the well in in the religious context it was an abomination if in the secular context it was not a viable lifestyle. Um, And a lot of that is, you know, a byproduct of, you know, after doing my research and realizing and having more empathy for my parents, realizing that they were raised in an era that believed that homosexuality was a mental illness up until Mm -hmm. 1971. And so when the American Psychiatric Association destigmatized it, it. The, the 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 church kind of ran with it and kind of held this you know there was kind of a this moral authority if you will mm-hmm. like especially in you know republican politics where yeah. you know christianity was very much a you know the the way the truth and the life so to speak um so that kind of seeped into secular culture and so mm-hmm. you know having the traditions of of my middle eastern mother but then also with my father being raised around the judeo christian belief system it kind of was a recipe for disaster <laughs> in that mm-hmm. regard you No
0: kidding. No kidding. There was no winning there, right? Right. So when did you actually start to have inklings that you might be gay?
1: So it started off pretty early, actually. I remember going to the store with my mom and seeing the muscle magazines and really being (laughs) infatuated, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, But that was pre-puberty. And it actually wasn't until puberty hit that I realized I actually had a sexual desire for men. Mm. And it scared the living hell out of me. I mean, my brother- Oh yeah, yeah, it was my you know my brother is older than me and he actually is gay. He came out at a much earlier age and you know the byproduct of what I saw of of his coming out and mm. then subsequent torture as well by his mm. peers um and non-acceptance from my parents. They were they were loving as much as they could be, you know, but I perceived that as as danger so having these mm-hmm. feelings and then also seeing the associations of it just scared me to death. And so I, I just see hit it you know Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. yeah and and that's the thing that you know when we get those messages whether it's from the church or our family you know the isolation that we feel that there's no one to talk to because Mm -hmm. when you're raised in that culture nobody is talking about how it's okay you know and and like podcasts like this would have it would have been non-existent. Yeah. You know, I'm 63 now. So, you know, you take it way back when I was a kid, there were no conversations about it being okay. And there were no resources to tell you any different. Um mm-hmm. so you were you were growing up in in the kind of era too that if you were cloistered in with the family system and the religious f- system, you didn't get to really go out into the world so much to mm-hmm. get any different messages. Absolutely. Pre-ado- pre-adolescence, pre you're already getting these feelings. You definitely mm-hmm. know you're different um, and you kind of tucked it all away. How long did you keep it tucked away?
1: Yeah, great question. Um <laughs> Uh, comment on what you were saying. Absolutely. Like, and, as, mm-hmm. and especially like, I think what the modern, what you see in the modern day evangelical movement is that either they have no associations with, with somebody who is gay or mm-hmm. two, they've just hardened their hearts and thinking, mm-hmm. well, this is what the Bible says. And so it becomes this, and that was who I was. I, yeah, I know that firsthand, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, like, this is what the Bible says. My feelings are not valid. You know, I need to follow what the word of God says and da da da, and all that. Anyway, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, to answer your question, um, I was, I, I never told anybody about it until, well, there was indications like my brother kind of saw when I was like looking at stuff on the internet and all that, all of that type of stuff. Uh, but nobody really knew all that direction. I mean, my deflection was really to pour it on my brother and be like, no, you're gay, you're gay, you know? And it was Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. um, so that served as, as a, as a, you know, necessary tool in the moment, obviously it was sure. a lot more harmful in its ramifications and, and how it rippled throughout our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it wasn't until I actually, you know, accepted Jesus. Uh, I w- there was one night at uh, the college group. So I was, I was like on fire for the Lord. Like I was like, you know, buying every book at the church bookstore. I bought my own Bible. I was reading it more than my assignments and I got to a point in the youth group where I realized that I wasn't, you know, being fed quote unquote, mm. um, anymore. And so some of my friends in the youth group told me about the college group. So I ended up attending this college group on Friday nights and, you know, regularly going, but there was one specific night where they were going to be sharing a special topic. And, you know, I was nervous, right? Like, you know, it's like, dun, 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 like. I
0: know, right. <laughs> tension t-
1: <laughs> right like i swear there's more drama in the church than there is in the gay community like-
0: <laughs> and that says a lot now that says a lot <laughs>
1: exactly exactly a lot <laughs> um but so i attended this and it was on you know it was on homosexuality and how it was a sin. And then someone came up and gave their testimony and I was emboldened by that. I was just like, Oh my gosh, you know, the, like this person was saying that the first step to healing is admitting your sin. And so I ended up finding someone in the youth group to talk to. It was a woman and she was like, Hey, this is a sin more suitable for a man. Talk to my boyfriend, talk to him. And it was, absolutely like the the most horrific experience like uh-huh. i re- i feel the trauma now talking about it actually oh. like just feeling so judged like because uh-huh. because you know it was taught that night um or at least in the readings that i was reading that homosexuality was associated with bestiality and pedophilia oh my god
0: that was th- that was my youth group yeah i mean yeah. that was not my youth group but that's what they told us oh my gosh yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that it was it was like, just like these other deplorable sins, you know, on one hand, it was associated with these and it was the gateway to, you know, pedophilia and bestiality. Uh, But then also, it was a sin, just like any other sin, and God can heal it and blah, blah, blah. But when I spoke to this man, I I felt so much judgment. So Mm -hmm. like, I, I was like 15 years old, and I was like, afraid that he thought that I was a pedophile. Like, that's how bad it was. So, I just retreated back into myself and never told anybody about it. Would you know act out by looking at stuff on the internet? Um, and then it wasn't until actually college when I recommitted my life to the Lord that I ended up, you know, sharing that I struggled with it, got introduced to Exodus ministry, learned about oh, same wow. sex attraction. Whew. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> so,
0: did you actually go through the Exodus program?
1: Yes. So we went to, so a friend of mine, uh, she, she ended up coming with me cause I asked her to, uh, we ended up, uh, going to their national conference. And I was blown away. Like it was just like, this is my people. I learned the term same sex attraction. So then it meant that I wasn't gay. I just struggled with attraction for the same sex, which is so funny. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now, now looking back on it. Um, and then yeah, and then that's where I got uh, introduced to conversion therapy. And so ended up like, you know, taking a taking a seminar on that met the guy the the main leader in new york uh for conversion therapy his fee was too much so as i got back to uh california i ended up looking for a therapist that practiced conversion therapy in my area and i did that for about a year um and you know learned about you know like like dumbed down versions of shock therapy of like wearing a rubber band around my wrist and flicking it every time i have a gay thought so my brain would associate pain with homosexual thoughts Mm. um you know, trying to date women, all this, like, it was like, it it was just a a cesspool of self deprecation and Mm. and disparity.
0: Mm. Oh, God, I hurt for you. I so hurt for you. And, and I can see the pain in your eyes now. I mean, even though we're not, you know, broadcasting this live through zoom, but I can see it, that Mm. all these many years later, that those wounds are fresh with the retelling of this story. And even mm-hmm. though we heal, and this is something I want, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell the listeners is that, you know, we can move forward. We can heal. We can um, regroup, but mm-hmm. when it, it it's the same thing as, as having PTSD, mm-hmm. that when you are exposed to something that triggers that pain, yeah. it's, it's never actually gone. It yeah. is just, it's, it's reworked a different way. So those wounds are still there. And especially with the climate of today, with how precarious our rights are, and how you never know who's going to be in the office to lead this country and what they're planning to do, mm-hmm. we're all triggered. Yeah. At this point, you know we were triggered. You know, two years ago, four, six years ago, <laughs> four years we were ago. triggered. We've been triggered for a while. <laughs> right. Maybe we've lived our whole lives triggered. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. So I want
0: to honor the pain that you're mm. feeling right now, and I and I honor that, and I I know that you are light years away from that in your growth. However. I wanted to honor the pain that I saw in your eyes.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, um, It's actually not that far removed. Okay. Um, I've been writing the second version of the book. Um, I hi- hired this amazing editor who kind of went through the first version and just kind of really gave me new fire behind it. Mm-hmm. And I recently just finished it. But what was interesting, it took me about four months to really because I it was writing a whole different book like it's mm-hmm. you know it's it has the same type of structure but it's it's a whole different book mm-hmm. but I was reliving these experiences yes. and you know I actually haven't admitted this publicly yet but I I got re-addicted back onto opioids for mm-hmm. for a season because mm-hmm. I was feeling so much and I just mm-hmm. didn't want to feel anymore mm-hmm. you know and it's like that That in and of itself was, was a true tale sign to exactly what you're saying, where it's that, Mm -hmm. you know, we may, we may find progress Mm -hmm. in our healing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those things are fully healed over. Mm -hmm. Um, and even though there may be, you know, the, they may be have, have been gaping holes at some point, there are still are scars there. Those scars mm-hmm. will remain. Mm-hmm. Um, they leave permanent marks, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, for a, exactly to, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, if anybody's listening and they, mm-hmm. and they feel like I'm not making progress or anything like that, like it's, it's a lifelong journey. It's, mm-hmm. but the beauty of it is coming back to yourself
2: mm-hmm.
1: and realizing that, that, the power that you were looking for in others was actually in yourself all this time, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's, that's the power that I've been able to tap into and being like, I don't need to turn to another group to find some sort of validation and acceptance. As long as I can validate and accept myself, then I'll be able to operate from a place of truly being authentic and have in and attracting the, off, the that authenticity in friendships and relationships
0: yeah. yeah and and as we pause on that that you know the power is within us and it always has been what we forget about that is that when we're in trauma or we're re-traumatized we go back to the the coping skills that we used from our past First, when Mm -hmm. we're that triggered and we lose our balance, instead of looking for the strength that we have currently, we go back to whether it was suicidal ideation or opiates or whatever we use to get through Mm -hmm. and numb out. And what you're describing is I had to numb my authentic self Mm. because I wasn't allowed to express it. So okay. I use drugs, I use suicide, I use anything I can, mm-hmm. alcohol, to numb my authentic self to cope. Yeah. And then when I'm triggered again, I immediately revert back to that. Now, not all always will you go back to that. You may have mm-hmm. the feeling of going back. You may want to go back and choose not to at some point, but that's so normal.
2: Mm. I
0: just want to validate that, that it's normal for us to revert back to what worked before, even though it might have been unhealthy and it could have killed us. For us, it worked because Mm -hmm. we didn't deal with the immediate pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny. My friend, my best friend, actually, she talks about that where, you know, kids who get addicted to cocaine or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like they were doing that because that's what felt best in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it's not, it's not to say that that's, you know, then go ahead and do cocaine, <laughs> you know, not, but, but exactly. It's like, that's, yeah. you know, what, in order to avoid something, that's what we, and, you know, and, and again, like I recently did that too. I mean, it's yeah it's
0: a smoke screen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Oh, my love mercy. Okay. So, <laughs> so you, you mentioned your book and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, I didn't, I didn't want to go into that. You know, I want to honor that we've mentioned the book and it's called, let's just do the title
1: my gay church days <laughs> I,
0: love that. I love that my gay church days okay so we'll come back to that but but so you were at the place where you just it was like a cesspool you mm-hmm. know and and you were judged and you were in this conversion therapy stuff and everything was just being piled on you what happened mm-hmm. next
1: yeah um i just kept pressing in um you know i had my my gay thoughts i enacted the the practices of conversion therapy again wearing that rubber band flicking my mm-hmm. wrists um, I you know abstained from from you know play things that would cause me to stumble mm-hmm. Um what's interesting about purity culture is that it there really is a loophole for for people who are gay because you are told that you know you can't look at a woman lustfully da, 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 and I'm like I'm clear. We're good. You know, like,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then on top of that, your accountability is someone of the same sex. So it was just like this, like, you know, it, it, it was just interesting. Cause like, I don't think the church really knew how to deal with, with homosexual people other than yeah. to condemn them and tell them that, you know, you know, well then start dating women. And so that's what I did actually. So after, you know, my conversion therapy and, and all of that um, I just kind of pressed myself. Well, I pressed myself into the ministry to kind of deflect Mm. from having to date because the thought of being with a woman was like mind numbing to me. There was no Mm. way in hell Mm -hmm. I was going to go down that road. So I just lost myself in, in, in Bible college that, which ended up allowing me to have a reputation in the church, which then provided an opportunity for me to become a pastor. And, you know, I, it was a church that was, I, 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 I feel it was a cult um, in mm-hmm. the way that they uh, conducted themselves. There were, you know, very strict rules on, on our conduct, on who we can hang out with, on mm-hmm. what we can listen to, on what we can consume, um, so there was that and, but I was fine with that because that in and of itself gave me other opportunities within the church to be able to become a pastor. So fast forward, I ended up becoming a pastor. And while I was, uh, pastoring, um, the, the senior pastor, uh, said that he wanted to become my accountability partner. And so we were you know meeting and stuff. And then as time went on, he, he had a specific, uh, request of mine. He said, you know, have you been, have you been dating? Like what's going on with your love life? And I just said, and I told him, I was like, look, I'm really focused on the ministry. Like I was, I was actually the outreach pastor, which was a new role. And I ended up like building it out from the ground up. Like I did elderly ministry, homeless ministry, uh, all the, you know, like all these different types of activities, farmers markets, like all of that. And that was my excuse from having to actually deal with not only dating, but also confronting my sexuality. Mm Because if I could prove myself uh, in the church, then I would be, I, you know, I would have great standing with, with the leaders and and Mm -hmm. with God and all of that. But when the pastor brought that up about dating, you know, I kind of shrugged it off. There was apparently some girl that his wife was, was mentoring that had a crush on me. We were, you know, we were really good friends. I was always really good friends with girls, but, that one of the rules that, that I was talking about earlier about the control was that men and women, they believe that men and women could not be friends. And so you had to have boundaries, you know, and it was like, you know, you can't mm-hmm. be in the same room alone together. And if you are, then you have the door open. If it's past nine o'clock, then you probably shouldn't be hanging out with women, like unless there's other people there. And, you know, it like the Mike Pence rule, you know, it was just <laughs> like like it's PDA, so
0: when, no public display of affection
1: exactly ray of, of light
0: ray of light <laughs> yep
1: exactly <laughs> it's so funny when when he came out with that I was just like yeah I remember doing that I remember mm-hmm. you know like it was like." Uh, and then it's also fun to see the reaction of other people because it's like oh yeah that was insane you know um but then on the second meeting the next week we had another meeting and he's like he's like hey bro have you thought more about what we spoke about last week and I was like what did we talk about he's like well you know your day in life and then he he was like legit like he was just like you know just to be honest you're you know you're in your your mid-20s well early 20s um you know you struggle with same-sex attraction and you have you're in leadership and you aren't even married yet you know it was like kind of this like you know like I was like 22 23 years old like And he's like, you know, just so you know, there's some concerns. Um, And so so then that meeting kind of transpired into this like laundry list of available women in the church. And yeah, and so we settled on one and I literally the whole time I was so uncomfortable, but I knew that in order to appease him and to be able to stay in the ministry, I would I would oh. have to, you know, obey.
0: Oh, my uh, God. They pimped you out. They pimped
1: me <laughs> out. Like,
0: <laughs> oh my God, oh, have mercy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Literally, literally oh pimped me out. Oh. Yeah, mm. and so that was an eight month relationship that was like. <sighs> Hell, and so
0: how disa dis uh what's the word I want disrespectful to that girl? Yes, who had no, and it's not your fault. I'm not blaming you, but shame on this senior pastor and these church yeah. people to to not only impose this on you but bring a innocent child mm-hmm. into this.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Lee Pete. Okay, All right. I,
1: absolutely. <laughs> it's so funny because I ended up like reaching out to her uh mm-hmm. after I moved to Los Angeles and came out and i i apologize like look like i you know cuz she knew so two two weeks into dating it was like one of the things <laughs> that i was like really concerned about so like i told her i was like i struggle with same sex attraction and you know and she's like oh that you know there's nothing too big for our god and da da, da. but i don't think she understood the full weight of it where it was like mm-hmm. no like you know and so i reached out to her on facebook messenger and she ended up blocking me <laughs> so <laughs> i was like <laughs>
0: Shocked face. Shocked face. Right? right. Like, okay, oh. fine. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a lot of suppression. That's what it was. It was it was deflection and suppression. It was just like I everybody knew at that point that I struggled with same-sex mm-hmm. attraction, but everybody was either under the the understanding that I was seeking deliverance or I was delivered. Um, so it was never, mm-hmm. you know. Meanwhile, I was looking at stuff on the internet for years, you know? So it's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how did you make it through?
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Um, it's interesting. The final blow uh, at the church was actually not related to my, my sexuality. Like I was okay mm-hmm. with all of that. It ended up being about my education. So long story short, the Bible college I was attending wasn't accredited. It was this church's Bible college. I wanted an accredited degree because I, I always loved education. Like I've always loved learning and it's, it's always just like, regardless of what context I'm in, I, I just love learning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I knew one day I wanted to get my master's degree and I was planning to plant a church up in San Francisco and, you know, helping gay people. But anyway right. um, and the senior pastor knew it was a breaking point for me because every other request I had before that he would turn it down. Like, I I told him about wanting to go to a college group in our neighboring town with our neighboring church because the medium age at our church was, you know, well above my age and I wasn't finding fellowship. And then also when things ended with that girl, like I, my reputation got marred. And so, you know, he rejected that he rejected, you know, he was calling me out for like questionable doctrinal beliefs because of verses that I was posting on Facebook. It just got it got more and more unpalatable, but but then when I actually brought it up to him, he knew it was a non non-negotiable for me. It was like either I go to an uh, an accredited university or I leave. So months and months of searching for an accredited, you know, and, and so I would submit them to him and he'd be like, Nope, this this is too liberal, this is too whatever, blah blah doctrinal up Finally landed on Liberty University. And I was like, I read their doctrinal statement, I was like, perfect. There's no way in hell he's going to turn this down. And he approved it. But then the next day I received an email saying, uh, Hey bro, just want you I actually put it in the book too. Uh, just want you to be you know, cautious, blah, 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 all that. Anyway, I lost my stuff and just like ended up, I forgot if I called him or text him, but I said, you know, your office 15 minutes stormed over to him and let him have it and just told him everything. I was just like, you've been controlling me, blah, blah, blah. Um, ended up leaving the church, but then plugged back into my church uh, when I moved back home, because that was that was the plan. I had nowhere else to go. And um, slowly but surely started to do my own research, you know, being a student of the Bible, knowing the Bible better than anybody like that I knew, it, especially mm-hmm. like, you know, in the new church that I plugged back into. Um You know did a deep dive well it started with a paper that I did on women and deacons in the church and that kind of like opened up the door for me where I got a failing grade on it where it was like you know I was like oh this is all bullshit like it's all up (laughs) to interpretation you know like (laughs) um, but yeah that ended up like doing some research on you know the, the passages about homosexuality realized that the church was like way debunked on their beliefs about it um you know, slowly trickled out of it, ended up moving to Los Angeles, came out, started dating, got some backlash for that um, from some some trolls in the church. Um, but then, yeah, it just it was a long process. And, and, and that's kind of why, you know, with writing the new book, I'm also detailing out mm. after leaving the church because that oh, in and of itself had its own. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm its own difficulties and, and, you know, coming into the gay community and spiritual community and all of that. So anyway, it's, yeah, that's, (laughs) that's the timeline.
0: (laughs) Wow. So, so I'm so happy and so proud of you for still being standing number one, and I'm proud of you for taking the, the opportunity to go back and be more authentic with your book. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot. Um, i'm writing my memoir now and yeah uh, yay. Um, i know <laughs> it was a joke i thought at first because somebody just joked me into saying when are you writing your book and when are you going to be in the movies and i said and i laughed and laughed and they said no we're serious you need to write all this down Aww. Yay. and so, so i d- i started writing it all down but i empathize with what you're saying about going back and living the painful parts because as mm-hmm. we're writing um we can write it and disassociate mm-hmm. because we're yep. really good at that. And we can we can do this the the text, but then to actually bring authenticity into it, you have to mm-hmm. re-feel it and yes. you have to re-experience it. And there have been many times in the more difficult sections where I've had to just stop writing. Yeah. Because I default to the just get it done. Yep. Put the words on the paper, but there's no authenticity to it because I'm not really expressing it through the feelings. Yeah. And so um, I empathize with that. So I'm proud of you for going back through the pain, and I'm proud of you for continuing to emerge out of the pain. Um, Mm. So, mm -hmm. I I was just gonna just briefly ask. So um, before we go into your book, when do you imagine that it will be ready for publishing?
1: Great question. Yeah. It's so it's so funny. Cause I <laughs> when <laughs> when I found this editor and she told me the same thing where she was just like, Don't, don't tell she's like because that's what happened in the first version. It, I told people what happened. And she's like, you need to show them what happened. Yeah. And so she's a very trauma, trauma informed editor and just like amazing. I absolutely love her. We become friends. Good. Um but yeah, I told her, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll get this done in a month, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like <laughs>
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> uh, and it's so funny because I sat down and I cranked out part one, which is like my childhood because I was like, do-do-do, whatever. And then I revisited her notes and I was like, wait a second. I'm still doing what I'm not supposed to be doing. And... I literally, so I told people, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have it released this winter and da da da. And like now I'm like, nope, spring of next year. Cause like I just got slapped in the face. Like it was just like, it's like, oh my God. I, in order to show them, I actually, you're right. Like I need to relive this. I need yeah. to relive the pain. And like, and it's like, I mean, there were times where like I couldn't even look at the book cause I was just yeah. like, it, I took a week off one time cause I was just like, this is mm-hmm. too painful like mm-hmm. this hurts too mm-hmm. much like mm-hmm. i don't want to step back and and recall you know the adrenaline that was rushing through my veins when the pastor called me because i posted mm-hmm. a verse from james chapter 4 on facebook and it was a so he was concerned that it was associated with the calvinist doctrine you know like oh my goodness like crazy sh- you yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> asked yeah you know like shatola
0: <laughs> that was shatola
1: <laughs> there we go I'm like i was like the clean how do I say it cleanly but don't no you how I'm, you say
0: it you can say it any way you need to say
1: it. <laughs> oh I love it thank you thank you um uh, but yeah yeah you know that like it's mm-hmm. you know firsthand it's it you know re you know telling showing your story telling your story is one thing showing them is a whole different yeah. story like yeah mm-hmm. So yeah, so the sorry to answer your question, um, I'm hoping you know to be done with it in spring. It's I sent it off to the editor a couple couple weeks ago, um, Mm -hmm. and she said that it takes about a month or two to to Mm -hmm. kind of clean it up and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's I know there's going to be more editing as well because you know. I even told her there were some parts where I was like, "I need help with this. I don't know how uh-huh. to
2: go." You know. Deep yeah, on this, yeah,
0: yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having someone right now that, um, that I trust do pre edits, um, before it goes to the mm. publisher, um, and so they're doing all the cleanup because I, I have special skills and they do not include, grammar, <laughs> or math. <Yes. laughs> So it's a very small window
2: (laughs) that I have. No, it's (laughs) Dave.
0: So somebody has to fix it because it sure isn't going to be me. I can read it a thousand times and never, and I think it sounds great, but (laughs) they they make it sound even better with punctuation and, (laughs) you know, right. Absolutely. All right. So. So I'm I'm proud of you for doing that book, and I can't wait to get it. So I'm going to keep the pulse connected to you and make sure that I'm I'm there when you're ready. So uh, and as always, uh, I always go into a deeper dive with uh, my guests. When your book comes out, you'll come back. Yes, keep I would nodding love your that. head. Yes, and you will I come back, and we will promote your book and and know that it's out, and everybody will know. Um, so you moved to San Francisco. You came out. You started doing your thing, but what happened with your beloved de- uh, Lebanese family?
1: <laughs> good question. Actually, sorry. So good question. Sorry. Uh, I, I moved to Los Angeles and then oh, okay. um, Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. I ended up giving up San Francisco because it oh, okay. was like, yeah, I, that was like more of like, you know, starting a church there and all that. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I need to, I need to come to the, you know, the gayer, the gay gayer Mecca. city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is, so my dad absolutely loved him. Like I've, I've always had a, a soft spot for him. Um, he is, he was always the center of my uh, affection and attention. Like I, I, there was nothing I wanted more than to be in his good graces. Mm-hmm. Um because he was an emotion he is an emotionally you know closed off person um and also one of the kindest and like most gentle human beings I have Mm -hmm. ever met in my life um and so so with with coming out and and so my mom mom and I had a really interesting relationship um I saw her and I actually was recently writing about that where I saw her more of a nanny than a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, a l- lot of it had to do with the language barrier, but also the traditions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being exposed to American, you know, Judeo-Christian. So, my mom passed away uh, February of 2020, right before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and that was difficult because I I spoke to her every day, but I I never really had a personal relationship with her. It mm-hmm. was just more of like. You know what's going on how's the weather all of that um but also cognitive of of you know a lot of the emotions that came up um around my my disdain i guess for her would Mm -hmm. be a a a good question where Mm -hmm. um just really didn't feel like i was i was loved or protected by her but she was doing and realizing she was doing it in her way so never really came out to her um i came out to my dad actually Uh, the day after the Trump election Um, and reasons being was because of Mike Pence and what he represented. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, look, like, you know, voting for somebody, you know, just because they're part of a political party doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do good for, you know, and I, and I, yeah. And like, I just went into, you know, about Mike Pence and how that, you know, was a vote against my brother, but it was also a vote against me. And, he was, he was like, I, he choked up and he's like, mm. what, what do you mean? And I was like, dad, I'm gay. And it just went silent. Um, but it's been, it's been such a beautiful process of redemption because he never pulled away from me. He, if anything, he continued in his, in his emotional in, in, uh, inept, uh, inept, I guess is the right <laughs> uh-huh. word. I can't even, uh-huh. um, But when I started writing the book and told him about it and all of that, um, he expressed his pride for me in telling my, he's also, I unfortunately led him to Christ. So he's a, he's a uh, evangelical, well, he's a (laughs) Christian, let's just say that he, he lives his faith out much better than any evangelical I know. Um, But he was, when he showed his pride for me writing the book, that was my way of, of knowing that he accepted me for me, Mm -hmm. um, even though he may not agree with my lifestyle. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
1: so yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, um, uh, resolution, I guess. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I'm glad you're still in relationship with him. Um, and that you found a way, both of you found a way to, to salvage your relationship, even in the, the, the gap of not, fully understanding your right to be gay and your birth Mm. right to be gay. Um, And he may, you know, get it Mm -hmm. at some Mm -hmm. point.
1: Yeah. And I have faith in that too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm I, I know, I know he only wants the best for us and I know Mm -hmm. that his worldview, unfortunately has been shaped by conspiracies and, um, and lies and betrayals and all of that. So how he views, I know he did say this to my brother one time about, you know, my brother's a lot more forward with my father than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made a comment about, I, you know, I just don't want you to have a hard life. And I remember mm-hmm. that. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's as hard as that he mm-hmm. has these associations with, with a lifestyle. He knows nothing about other than what's told to him on, you mm-hmm. know, on Christian network radio mm-hmm. or,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, in conservative media. And so, in his perspective. I mean every time I'm on the phone with him now he's like, you know, being in Los Angeles, he's like, Georgie just be careful cuz conservative media paints a really bad picture of Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. um and I think that's actually the, the theme of of, you know, Christians and and people who are listening who probably don't understand. It's like like making a pre-judgment about somebody based off of their who they are or where they live or anything like that. It, mm-hmm. it really shows a sign of, of naivety because you're not exposing yourself to other people or other experiences or other perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that was me, you know, I didn't want before I moved to Los Angeles, I knew no black people. And so then I moved to Inglewood to kind of, you know, get an understanding and then realize, like, oh, my gosh, like, you're no different than me, like, you know, and, and all that. And it's like when we when we expose ourselves to people that were are not like us, don't look like us, that, you know, we were never been around, we start to realize that we are actually all connected um, as as humans as opposed to these tribes and individual in, in you know individuality is great in the sense of you know self-expression but it can also be harmful when when we don't have an openness for other people's perspectives and life's journeys
2: right
0: right so I know that your brother and and you mentioned you and your brother had a kind of hit in the relationship with him being out and and seeing signs in you and you deflecting it how are you guys doing today
1: amazing so we yeah he's become my and actually part of the trump election actually revealed that as well where i realized i was like my strongest ally right now is someone who knows me better than than anybody yep having lived in the same household and all of that.
0: Mm-hmm. So we had
1: a brothers for the first time on my 30th birthday, I went to Spain, he was living in France and he met me there and we just hashed it out. I recognized that he was, you know, really a, a instrumental uh, person in, in, in allowing me to have a safer coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just like wielded us together. Now we're, we're, we're super close. He's like one okay. of my best friends and Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yay! Well, I I love I love that kind of the story when it <laughs> when you can be rekindled back to people that you were estranged from, um. For sure. So so what is your life like now?
1: Good question. Um. So I am I'm a CPA. So I mm-hmm. my day job is, um. You know I do taxes and accounting and all of that um so that's kind of like my analytical side mm-hmm. um personal life i'm you know very much involved in um i i used to be a lot more involved with lgbt advocacy i'm now more into like you know homelessness and all of that mm-hmm. um just helping out you know uh, organizations that that are really helping humanity as a whole i'm not mm-hmm. you know obviously LGBT rights are doing that as well, uh, but mm-hmm. I realize that my resources are better spent doing uh, doing a, a more holistic uh, okay. a, approach to it. Um, and yeah, writing the book. Um, I'm very much a spiritual person. I I believe that that uh, there is something within all of us uh, that that desire within all of us to find some sort of Connectedness to something beyond ourselves, I think, isn't an evolutionary flaw. I think it's actually an, an evolutionary asset, um, and and I've kind of evolved from the perspective that oh, it's to keep us alive. It's like no, like there is a reason why we look at the origin of our species and seeing how they created gods to explain our existence. Like we we are cognitive intelligent beings mm-hmm. that have some sort of connectedness to something that's greater than ourselves and that's where I stop you know it's like I'm not going to try to define that astronomy actually if I, I am obsessed <laughs> <laughs> obsessed
0: <laughs> obsessed <laughs> um
1: and that's kind of my religion now I guess you can say mm-hmm. is that you know it's 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 looking at the vastness of our universe and realizing mm-hmm. we are just a very small insignificant cog in a much grander system brings mm-hmm. me a lot of comfort. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> so, somebody way bigger than me is in charge. Hallelujah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We
0: believe in? Um, Well, and I, and I respect that. I really do. I, you know, I, I had to walk away from church too, and then find my balance. And, and a lot of people, have said that they didn't like the name of the show Gay With God because they don't believe in a God. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, I didn't name the show for all of the different people who have found their way to and away from church. It was my journey of being able to say the word God and not feel like I was going to the lake of fire. Yeah, once I did that journey to be able to find my authentic gay self and Mm -hmm. link it with God. And not feel like I was going to hell. Although it depends on the day, <laughs> it depends yeah, on who's yeah. in office. You yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a journey. <laughs> it's a journey. Um, but but I feel more confident at this point that I that you know I can say that with authenticity mm-hmm. and not with a facade and not with just because it sounds like it's supposed to. Um, yeah. but I but I I had to reclaim my faith. In my on my terms. And so that's part of, you know, when the the memoir will is is called Gay with God, reclaiming my faith,
1: Mm. honoring
0: my story, because I had to go back and bring honor to a story that was filled with bigotry and religious persecution from Mm. the pulpit and within the family. So so I think any time that we can find a place that we land. That may be where we stay and it may be our starting point to emerge into something different. And so I had to land and then I was able to reclaim and Mm. and it's all good. But whatever, wherever we're at and wherever we stay, it's it's where we are.
1: That's beautiful. I love that. And and, and you're right, because God can be such a trigger word. And it, and mm-hmm. it still is. I mean, there's mm-hmm. times, you know, oh, like when I see a profile that says, you know, follower of God or something like mm-hmm. that, like not Jesus, but just, you know, it, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I understand. Mm-hmm. But I love that explanation and that journey because you're right. Like it, it's there. what I've come to realize is there's something that initially drew us to. Yes christianity Mm -hmm. you know and it's like i think a lot of times we think that we need to divorce everything when and and i did for a hot Mm -hmm. minute i like Mm -hmm. i said i don't want to touch any of this but then you know because yeah because it's triggering yes and it was shame
0: it shamed you during the conversion therapy you were shamed Mm -hmm. by it yeah
1: exactly exactly but when you get to that point where you realize that something, something was, there were some great moments in that. There were great aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they just got misinterpreted through the lens mm-hmm. of somebody else's vision. Mm-hmm. I think that's when, you know, we can, we can use the word God and be like, this is not, this, is this is, this means something to me and it means something different to you. And that's okay. As opposed yes. to it, that's not okay.
0: Yes. Yes. And I, and I love the fact that when we're on this journey, that I can, I can say I'm gay with God and I can still be confused about God. I can still doubt how this all happens because in my brain, because I have those specific skills, my brain does not hold the concept of, of how God exists without people attached to God. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, I, I live in the South. So who are your people? You have yeah. to have a mama and a daddy and you got to have, <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we look for origins. You know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, something comes first. Yeah. How does that work? So how did God get here? Oh, th- that's where faith comes in. And I call BS. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't make <laughs> sense. And then my dear, dear friend told me one day, Midge, um, no one can know everything about God because that's the mystery and Mm. it will be revealed not on this, this side of the, the, the plane, but on the other side. And, um, and so I've, I've just had to sit with that and continue to grow through it. But, um, you know, finding, finding the church that I landed in, uh, it happens to be an Episcopal church that is more enlightened now than Uh it was years ago. I'm reading a book in our formation class. It's a Sunday school class called the church cracked open. And oh my goodness, it, um, it's called Disruption, Decline, and New Hope for Beloved Community. It was written by Stephanie Spellers, and it talks mm. about the Episcopal Church, and it's like, ooh, I'm glad I didn't find it back then. I'm glad yeah. I found it now.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> we way
0: better than we were, <laughs> way better. Oh,
1: I love that. <laughs> yes, we I have
0: lo- gay bishops. We have gay ministers. We have women. We have gay people that are, you know— Understood that we are beloved with God, and so it's a wonderful place to be today. Yeah, this, and not every Episcopal church is that open and affirming, but I found a good one right here in my little old hometown, so I'm really happy about it. But um,
1: I love that.
0: Yeah, me too. So, so we all are on that journey, and I'm happy mm. that that your life is turning into exactly what you wanted it to be that you're doing your thing and you're, you're living your life and you're telling your story. Do you miss the, the path of pastoring?
1: Um, no, I, you you know, it's, it's interesting. I miss, I miss inspiring people. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't miss the doctrine behind it. The absolutism. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, what's so beautiful about writing this book is that it's been giving me opportunities to kind of, pastor in a sense i guess mm-hmm. you know where it's like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you can you know like like with without the the fear of damnation and mm-hmm. you know it's like so yeah it's interesting i mean you're you're that's actually a very good question nobody has really asked me that before and now that i'm talking it through i do i do miss it because i think a lot of what was pu- the purer parts of it were mm-hmm. a, a true desire to help others and i think yeah. that's always just been who i am i love yeah you know, teaching people, whether it be in, you know, teaching people taxes and and accounting or, Mm -hmm. you know, teaching them about my journey and, you know, coming through on the other side. Like Mm -hmm. I, I've all been a a lover of knowledge. I also love to impart knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and I bet your book is gonna, is gonna be like that as well. As you start to promote your book, you know, in the, in the, months and years to come that 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 is a way to lead people to the visibility of their authenticity Mm, and you're going to be able to use the scriptures that you delved into and pulled apart and and did the work on to do what to do what we all want to do is to teach each other that we are not damned to hell and we do have a life that we are here to live and god is is there for us just like Anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not excluded from the kingdom of heaven. And um, I'm excited where this is going to lead you because the doors are yet, I think, to fully open in how this book is going to impact other people's lives.
1: And that's what's so beautiful about it and why I've invested so much time, money and energy Mm -hmm. in this thing because I saw Mm -hmm. what the first version did I, Mm -hmm. I had random people DM me telling tell me I had no idea anybody ever experienced the same stuff that I did, you Mm -hmm. know, and like, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's, that's the like, I don't take a profit Mm -hmm. from this book, Uh, uh, you know, whatever is left over after expenses goes to the Trevor project, you know, Cause it's like, this is really, I believe Mm -hmm. this is my life purpose and mission, you know, Mm -hmm. where my accounting profession is, is my day trade, you know, that's, that, that allows Mm -hmm. me to pay the bills, you know? And so it's like, if I can do something that, that helps people like, and pushes, pushes our species forward and like Mm -hmm. letting people understand a different perspective, Mm -hmm. Then I've done my job. <laughs> we're
2: good,
0: <laughs>
1: you know.
2: <laughs> well, and it's
0: a worthy job. It is a worthy job. Mm. So, so as we're winding down today, um, is there is there any final thoughts that you have as far as like you know something that you wanted to say that didn't you haven't had the chance to say or something in your story that we still need to touch on?
1: Not in the story. I definitely do. I love I love to close out um, mm-hmm. interviews with saying that you know I'm I. I'm mostly on Instagram. I haven't been lately, but if somebody is listening and they, they just need someone to hear their story or talk or, or you know, vent or whatever, like mm-hmm. shoot me a DM on Instagram, Instagram at my gay church days. Um, you know, I, again, this book is really a a passion project for me. It's not, it's not something that I, I, you know, it's not a business for me. Mm-hmm. Um, So, so I really, I really do want, um, and, and love getting DMs from people who tell me, you know, hey, I'm going through something similar or I've been through something similar or mm-hmm. I read your book or whatever it is like, mm-hmm. like, if you just want to talk, if you're closeted, um, you know, and you need a safe space,
0: mm-hmm. I'm here. say the the pastors in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so so my final question to to guests is usually what is one thing that you would share with someone who is struggling? Mm.
1: I would say listen to your body. Mm. Um I think the story of my entire story was, uh, it was a failure to listen to what my body was crying out to me um mm-hmm. if you know something isn't right um it's not worth staying in a group that's going to accept you for who they want you to be mm-hmm. um and you will find a group who will accept you for who you are and mm. who you're meant to be
0: mm. yeah Amen. i
1: i tried going to back to churches and all Mm -hmm. of that you know Mm because i and even recently i was talking to a friend about it where i was like i miss community one thing that Mm -hmm. the church did very well was community Mm -hmm. um but but i found that in astronomy now you know Mm -hmm. with all the different groups Mm -hmm. and so like it's like you will find your people your people are there and if if people are telling you to change they're not your people
0: Mm -hmm. i love that listen to your body george thank you so much. For honoring oh, Mitch, us with your you. story. I, I'm so glad that we met and I'm so glad that you were here to share your story. Thank you.
1: Same. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah. It's been so wonderful. Yeah.
0: And I want to thank you listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with George, go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. His Instagram link will be there. And if you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or maybe you don't even know if you're gay. God has always been with you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. If you need support to help you through your coming out or your faith journey, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom and see how you can connect with me. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, love you. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.